I'm Mark Pender for Econoday with Mark Rogers, Senior Economist with Econoday. Mark, the Fed's policy uh, decision is this Wednesday afternoon, a very uh, longly uh, awaited one, followed by the Chairman's press conference. Uh, tell us, Mark, why this policy meeting is so critical. Well, basically, the Fed is considering when it should start to cut back on its long-term asset purchases related to quantitative easing. And currently, the quantitative easing programs are related to purchases of mortgage-backed securities and long-term treasuries. Uh, basically, this puts the Fed in the position of being uh, a heavy buyer of those securities. And if the Fed cuts back on its purchases, that essentially reduces demand for both mortgage-backed securities and also long-term treasuries which in turn pushes up interest rates in those sectors. So it's important in terms of uh, the yield curve, how it's shifting, and how those rates are going to affect the economy. What's the economy consensus now for how much uh, the Fed will be tapering and between the two categories of uh, mortgage-backed securities and treasuries? Uh, basically, the Econoday median forecast is for a $10 billion reduction in asset purchases by the Fed from the current pace of $85 billion. Uh, right now, uh, the Fed is purchasing, I believe, $40 billion a month in mortgage-backed securities and $45 billion in long-term treasuries. And there's a little diversity in terms of expectations uh, of how it's going to be split between mortgage-backed securities and treasuries. Uh, some economists think it's going to be about evenly split and some think it's going to be more toward uh, treasuries uh, given the fact that the housing market is still quite needy in terms of keeping mortgage rates low. Uh, this expectation for a, a pending $10 billion cut in asset purchases is already showing up in the yield curve, is that right? Absolutely. Uh, traders in the various markets, including the bond market, they anticipate if you wait for the event itself, uh, you've missed out. As long as there's some kind of reasonable basis for making a move prior, traders are going to do that. And uh, Chairman Fed Ben Bernanke basically stated after his June or during his June press conference that he expected tapering to come soon, that's when traders started building in a rise in longer-term interest rates. So we already, since the June 19th FOMC statement, seen a rise in interest rates uh, in the medium term to long end of 50 to 75 basis points. So some tapering is already built in. Well, now, let's talk about the, uh, the possibility of a surprise. What are the odds of uh, no action, no tapering at, at Wednesday's meeting? Most economists do expect some action on tapering this meeting. Not all. But uh, there, there is a chance. For example, Atlanta Fed President Dennis Lockhart indicated that while he's open to tapering in September, he also commented, commented that he's going into the meeting open-minded. 
and currently he's one of the centrists at the Fed. So he's basically saying, uh, we really don't know yet, but you know, most of the bets are that there will be some announcement of tapering at this uh, meeting. But it also seems that all Fed speakers recently have said that the decision will be data dependent. So the Fed's going to be rehashing a lot of recent numbers, in particular related to inflation and also the labor market. Well, uh, continue with that then. If it is data dependent, uh, specifically uh, on the labor market and inflation, uh, how is that debate going to un unfold? Well, inflation is... That's easy to talk about currently. The PCE price index, both at the headline level and at the core, the inflation rate is soft. They're, of course, off and on energy swings, but soft on average. We're seeing both the core and the headline number running at a, an average of about a 1.5% average pace. That's below the Fed's long-term goal of 2%, and especially well below the Fed's threshold of expected 2.5% two, inflation to make rate policy adjustments. So this gives the Fed room to maintain its current policy if it wants to. But then if you turn to uh, the labor market, it's still sluggish by nearly all measures. Uh, the, the headline number for many people at least the public and some policymakers outside the Fed, is the unemployment rate. And it's shown some unexpected improvement. That rate is down to 7.3% from the recession high of 10% in October 2009. So some could point to, well, the unemployment rate's coming down, it's time for the Fed to act. But a significant part of the improvement in the unemployment rate has been due to changes in worker attitudes. That is, there are quite a few more discouraged workers and there's been a reduction in the labor force participation rate. The Fed is not going to see the decline in the participation rate as a positive. They're going to see that as weakness in the labor market. Also, we've seen uh, modest growth at the payroll level. It's basically been below 200,000 per month for six months in a row. And normally you would expect stronger gains at this point in a recovery and that you would need gains of about 300,000 a month to uh, reach a reduction in the unemployment rate. And we're nowhere near those kinds of numbers. Uh, well, turning back real quickly to the inflation, uh, is inflation running too low? Uh, ben Bernanke had been warning about incipient deflation. Is that uh, a risk here? Are these uh, one, one and a half, two percent uh, year-on-year rates for inflation readings uh, uh, strong enough? Well, that debate's going to be on the table uh, at this week's FOMC meeting, and one and a half percent is clearly not what the Fed wants. The Fed wants a little more, uh, well, actually in inflation pressure, just a little bit more to basically grease the skids for the economy to help the recovery, help businesses, and uh, move the recovery along.
and going along with that dovish line, and it's, uh, it's still hard to find a job, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, the latest JOLTS report, that's from the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, the jobs opening and turnover survey, uh, and the latest numbers for June, and they showed a decline in job openings. Uh, so it, it's still hard to get a job unless you're in very specialized technical fields. Turning to the uh, general economy, uh, we're taping midday Monday, and this morning's industrial production numbers were fairly healthy for August. Uh, with the total headline up 0.4% and the manufacturing component up a very strong 0.7%. Will this report boost the odds of uh, tapering a, a, at the meeting? It, those numbers might boost the odds for tapering. I think the Fed's going to not just look at one number. If you look at uh, the last six months for the industrial sector, in particular manufacturing, uh, the numbers have been up and down. There's been no consistent uptrend, so it's, a, it's good news what came out this morning, but I don't think the Fed's going to be swayed by just one month's number. Also, uh, before the, the Fed decision, we'll get uh, Tuesday morning the housing market index, and that'll give the Fed some idea of traffic for the housing market. And then also the housing starts number on Wednesday morning before the decision. So the Fed has a little bit of more hard information before making the uh, decision on whether to taper or not. Well, let's turn back to the uh, idea that they may not taper. Uh, then, uh, then what would be the expectations? Well, if the Fed does not taper at this meeting, uh, the September meeting, this, this week, then it raises, it raises the issue of when does the Fed taper. But the most likely answer is the Fed would taper at the October meeting right at the end of the month. Uh, some think that the Fed will wait until December, and this likely is unlikely unless the economy weakens substantially. Uh, my opinion is if the Fed doesn't start taper, at this meeting, they will start taper at the October meeting. All right, let's turn up the heat on you, Mark. What, give us what the markets will do if they do taper as expected. Uh, basically, some of, some of the tapering is already built in. We need to watch for whether the taper is $10 billion, less than $10 billion, or greater than $10 billion. And you know, basically, the markets have built that in. But then there are other factors that can affect how the markets are going to react, and that's in terms of how the, the economy is characterized and uh, what terms of guidance are. Well, okay, let's take the hawkish point of view that the Fed's policy has um, built in some in, uh, inflationary uh, risks uh, that have yet to manifest themselves. Uh, at one point, uh, will uh, the short end of the yield curve uh, follow the increases in the funds rate? Well, let, let's answer that question by starting with what Fed officials, including Ben Bernanke, have said about the, the process of uh, tapering and then unwinding. They've all stated that it's going to be in terms of stages. First stage is the start of taper, which might be this Wednesday, it might be late October. 
but the markets have already built in taper. So uh, the, the market impact is from tapering, we get a rise in long, mid and longer term rates, and we've seen that. That's the first stage. Second stage is going to be actually ending quantitative easing. That is, the tapering uh, reduces the new asset purchases related to quantitative easing to zero. Then sometime after quantitative easing has ended, the Fed will start to consider when to start raising policy rates, that is the Fed funds rate and the discount rate, and actually the rate paid on excess reserves. So these actions are going to affect the yield curve, and it's only down the road after we go through these stages and we, we get new inflation numbers significantly down the road. And if the inflation hawks are right and the tapering is not soon enough and uh, new policy actions involving interest paid on excess reserves, if they're not effective, then we're going to see a rise in short-term interest rates. We're going to get an inverted uh, yield curve. So basically, we're going to go from several stages from the, for the yield curve. We'll have currently lift for the long end, medium and long end. Then down the road, when quantitative easing is over and there's early Fed tightening, the entire yield curve will have lifted somewhat. And then as the Fed funds rate returns back to normal, the entire yield curve will shift further. And if the Fed's forecasts are correct, uh, the Fed forecast state the long-term Fed funds rate at 4%, we'll have the short end of the yield curve starting at 4%. And if it's the normal yield curve, uh, you know, not to make a specific forecast, we'll see longer rates, medium and longer rates, higher than 4%. I assuming that this would be a gradual process spread out over a significant amount of time. Is that right? Uh, absolutely. I, I believe we're talking several years for this process. Well, now let's talk about the process of understanding Wednesday's uh, news activity. Uh, how are you going to break down the different components of, of as the news uh, headlines come out? Uh, there's going to be a lot of news Wednesday. It's going to be fast and furious. There's going to be the FOMC statement and you know what what do you look at first? I think the first item is how much it, no one expects the policy rates to change, Fed funds or discount rate. Big question is how much, if any, is the Fed going to initiate for tapering of its quantitative easing programs? Is it 10 billion? Is it more than 10 billion or less than 10 billion per month? Then there's the issue of the characterization of the economy. The uh, we're going to get the quarterly forecast for GDP, price inflation, unemployment rate, and we're also going to get guidance on how the Fed plans to proceed in terms of quantitative easing or the tapering and what conditions are required to make further adjustments. So after the taper announcement, 
Uh, we want to look at the characterization, characterization of the economy and then guidance on how fast tapering might occur. Uh, also, if there's no tapering, uh, we want to look at the Fed forecast to see if the forecasts have changed notably, and that might give us some hint on whether there's tapering in October or faster tapering. So the forecasts are going to be important also. And if you have any questions, uh, quickly following uh, the statement will be the chairman's press conference. Uh, and what are you expecting uh, Ben Bernanke to say? I think he's going to get plenty of questions about the pace of tapering, how fast it's going to be, and to, you know, how large the changes are, are going to be. But I, I think an important fact about the chairman's conference is uh, there actually is going to be a chairman's press conference after Wednesday's FOMC decision. There will not be a press conference after the October decision. So this week's decision gives the Fed chairman a chance to explain any tapering decision should it occur. So the mere fact that there's a press conference at this meeting may tip the balance in terms of an announcement of tapering at, at this meeting. Uh, I think uh, the, the chairman would prefer to have tapering start when he has a press conference as opposed to a meeting when he's not having a press conference. You know, I've heard that. Is there, has anyone actually asked Ben Bernanke that? I, I'm not aware of it, and I don't think he would answer it if he were asked. Well, I'm glad that you're answering all our questions, Mark. And we have a very exciting Wednesday coming up. That's Mark Rogers for Econa Day, and I'm Mark Pender for Econa Day.